Hola y bienvenidos a Peruvians of USA, peruanos de Estados Unidos. Un podcast en español, inglés y spanglish donde compartimos las diversas historias del inmigrante peruano. Mi nombre es Natalie Sofía y soy una chica peruana que vive en los Estados Unidos por más de 20 años. Welcome to Peruvians of USA, the podcast in Spanish, English and Spanglish where we share the diversity of the Peruvian immigrant experience. My name is Natalie Sofia, a fellow Peruvian living in the U.S. for more than 20 years. So let's get started. Now, please allow me to introduce today's guest. Ana Isabel was born in Peru and arrived in the U.S. when she was eight years old. She's a professional photographer focusing on social and political events. Most recently, she photographed Secretary Julian Castro and Senator Warren's presidential bid. Anna got introduced to photography in high school, and in college, she photographed news stories for her university's newspaper. Shortly after, she began taking senior portraits of her friends, which then led her to photograph their weddings. After college, she worked in public relations for a few years until realizing that she was more passionate about photography. So she jumped full-time into her already growing business. Anna has photographed over 200 weddings and 500 headshot sessions along with two presidential candidates. As a photographer, her goal is to help her clients feel confident in front of the camera. On the personal side, Anna loves breakfast tacos, wine, planes, and trains. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Peruvian professional photographer, Anna Isabel. Welcome, Anna, to Peruvian USA. I am thrilled to speak to you this morning. I really appreciate you taking the time and waking up so early to talk to me today. <laughs> so um, please introduce yourself to our audience and also tell us what time is it where you're located right now? <laughs> Thank you for having me. Of course, Anna. Um, it is current. I'm actually currently in Eastern or Central daytime. So um, it is 6.46 a.m. <laughs> Um, it's funny though, because I, I grew up after, obviously after Peru, I grew up in the DC area. So I've always been in Eastern time zone. Um, so it throws me off just a little bit when I'm not in Eastern time zone. <laughs> yeah. I really appreciate you waking up this morning. Uh, I know in the mornings I can be a struggle bus. So <laughs> I'm, a little not, bit, but it's okay. I'm not sure if you're also, if you're an uh, early bird, I'm definitely uh, more of a night owl. I'm an early bird if I get enough sleep. My issue is getting to sleep. And once, you know, as long as I get eight hours, it doesn't matter the time. Nice, nice. All right. So, um, so I'm just going to share a little bit of how we met. Um, so I have a, we have a mutual friend, Monique Phillips, uh, I guess Russell now, she's married. Um, and you did their portraits, their family portraits. Um, and she, you know, shared those photos and I thought they were beautiful photos and she tagged you. And then I think I started following you in social media and I was like, oh my gosh, he's Peruvian. <laughs> so I don't remember what about what exactly uh, you shared about Peru, but I, I remember I saw that you were Peruvian. Um, and then I can try to convince my family to take family portraits because that's something that I, my family hasn't done. And I don't know many Latinos who especially of our generation. I think the younger generation of Latinos with young families, they maybe do it more often, but definitely um, my generation, my family, we just don't do it. And I was all concerned about, oh my gosh, 
I'm an adult. My brother's an adult. Adult kids get get photos. So maybe you can talk a little bit about, since you're a professional photographer, about like Latinos or Peruvians uh, and family portraits. You know, actually the least, uh, like the least active group for family portraits for me are Latinos. Um, and it's rare when I see an immigrant family. Um, I think most of us, I, and I think you hit it on, um, on the head completely when you were talking about it, is that one, we're, during our youth, we're so focused on getting ourselves to the U.S. or going through, you know, like immigration, getting us through that, that any extra money doesn't go towards fun things. It goes towards saving or getting a home or paying for those other legal things we have to get through with lawyers and all these other things. So by the time, you know, by the time you think about family portraits, you're, like you said, you're you're an adult and then you have to convince your entire family to get family portraits. Um and it's it's just not something we typically do. It's not a cultural thing that is ingrained in us. Um, so I I think we have to start switching that a little bit because our stories, both from youth and through adulthood, really do like matter in terms of our um, like cultural movement, right? Like we want to make sure that our kids get to see as many photos of us as a family together as much as we get to see photos of our parents. You know, I cherish every single photo I have of my grandmother at whatever stage she has it. And I wish there were more. Um, and I wonder the future generation, how much more they wished we did family portraits when we were younger, while we were so focused on um, being part of the U.S. culture. Um, and that's the one thing that like part of the U.S. culture, like we don't, we don't take it as much as everything else. Um, so yeah, it, it's exciting photograph. It was so exciting photographing your family and it, and I wish we could photograph more Latino families and especially more adult families too. People think a lot of family portraits are just for children and it's not. Um, kids change a lot, but you have to remember we do too. Adults do too. Um, people are not the same. So um, of course, I'm a photographer. I've been um, doing it since professionally since 2009. Uh, so it's been really exciting. And it's, it's interesting seeing how the journey has changed over time. Yes. And I, one of the things I loved about the session that we had with you was how much time you, you spent, like, well, you spent getting to know my parents and making them comfortable mm -hmm. because they were so uncomfortable at the beginning. And uh, some of the shots you have, uh, you got of them later on laughing. Oh my gosh, those photos, I will treasure forever. Like the photos you have of them laughing of myself with my mom and my brother with my dad and and just to anybody who's listening like please 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 make a budget just like figure out a way to like get your family portraits done even if you're adult kids it's such a it's such a treasure it's something that i will share with you know my kids later on and hopefully gets passed down and you and i kind of talked about the tradition in peru where we, we do have a tradition of keeping portraits. Um, they're painted, but... <laughs> yeah, they're like weird family portraits that no one's smiling. They're like oddly painted. No one really looks like themselves. Yeah, yeah. I recently came across a portrait of my grandfather. My mom is like, your grandfather did not look like that. <laughs> nope. We have, we have one of those of our grand, my grandmother who's currently alive and um, her husband. And we were both like, I mean, we can kind of tell it's you, but like, it's yeah. you. <laughs> yeah, that's so funny. Uh, yeah. yeah, so thank you. Thank you again for taking so such a great, you know, photos of my family. Um, and yes, I'll share them for like the podcast later on. <laughs> yeah, they were wonderful. And like you said, I think it's, it's those little moments, um, the in-between moments. And 
parents, again, work so hard and are so focused on their children for so long that it's nice to just have some photos of just the two of them, you know, because they were the two of them before they were a big family. Yeah. All right, so let's jump into your story. Um, so you came to the U.S. before officially leaving and coming to, to the U.S. for, the I guess, a third time. But I'm curious about your first impressions coming to the U.S. Um, so tell us a little bit about that. Like, what was the first time you came like? What were some of the things that jumped at you? So, yeah, I came twice before I came the third time to stay. And I realized the third time was like I was eight. And so I had a very clear understanding that I was traveling here. And I think all of my memories of the time I came before are kind of truncated into one thing because I can't, I was like I was six and four. So I don't remember it, but I do remember it through photos and through like one or two anecdotes. So that all blends together. But when I was eight, I can very clearly tell you when I came, what I saw, how I came, et cetera. Um, so I, in general, my first impression, it's interesting. I remember being on the plane on the way here and I asked a few questions. The first one is, why are we getting carrots in a bag as food? <laughs> <laughs> like the airplane food. I'm like, this is really weird. And also at the time we had a hot dog, which is like airplane, airplane food doesn't include hot dogs anymore. Yeah. Um, so I thought that was really odd. And that was kind of like my first taste into what food would be like in the U.S., but then the second question I had, because I traveled with my grandmother, um, the second question I had as an eight-year-old, again, not realizing I had already traveled to the U.S. twice before, um, I was very, very concerned that my mom wasn't going to recognize me when I got out of the plane and like got to, it was D.C., right? Um, and I was very concerned. I'm like, are we sure she's going to recognize me? Are we sure we're going to find her? Like, are we like 100% certain that someone's going to be on the other side? And my grandma's like, yes. Oh. <laughs> yeah, but it was, as a little kid, you don't, and especially since I didn't spend time with my mom, because my mom was in the US, like, you know, setting up everything for us. Um, I didn't think she would remember, like, she would even know who I am. Um, and of course, like she, <laughs> she didn't. Um, but it's crazy that that's the things you think about when you're little, you know, it's like, will someone remember me? Do they even know me? Um, but aside from the carrots, that was the other, that was the other moment. That, that's so real though, because I also, um, you know, spent some time away from my mom. My mom was in the U.S. for about one year and a half before I mm -hmm. came. And, um, I also have a similar feeling of like, is she going to recognize me? Am I going to recognize her? Like who's on the other side? I have no idea. And, you know, um, and I'm so happy that you came with your grandma because she could provide that comfort. Um, I actually, I ended up coming by myself on the plane. So it was even more crazy. And I think I remember like crying to the lady sitting next to me. She was from Costa Rica, lovely woman, lovely people in general. Costa Ricans are just fantastic. But like, she like comforted me. She's like, it's okay. Like, I'm sure your family's gonna be there. Um, but I was like, what do you mean you're sure? <laughs> Like, how are you sure? You don't know my family. <laughs> so, but you said you, you had spent some time away from your mom. Like, do you, tell us a little bit about that. Like, what was that um, separation like? It seems like maybe you stayed with your grandma and she took care of you. Yeah. So, of course, my entire family is in Peru. And um, I primarily stayed with my dad's side with my father, right? Um, so I said to my dad, my mom came to the U.S. We were actually just trying to figure this out. I think she came right after my first birthday. Um, 
she was like, she was like, there's no way I left before your first birthday. So I think she came right after my first birthday and then stayed in the U.S. until I was eight, at least separated. So it was a pretty good formative eight years um, of the beginning of my life. So I stayed with my dad and like, that was wonderful and great. And my, my dad's mom, my grandma on that side, but my mother's mom is the one I traveled with. Um, so luckily I had both grandparents in Peru um, and it, like all my cousins and my aunts, like life was great. Everything was fun. You know, you're a little kid. Um, so my mom was gone for a very long time in between all of that or yeah. And then by the time I saw her, that's why I think I had these questions. Although again, I had seen her twice before. I was just so young that like you almost don't remember those things. Yeah. And, and eight years is, uh, or seven, you know, that span is, it's a long time. And mm -hmm. I guess I'm curious, like when you did meet your mom, so you had an understanding coming into the, the plane, like you were like, all right, I'm coming to stay. You had that understanding. Yeah. I, like okay. everyone was like my, my, like I knew my mom was in the U S like the okay. whole time I grew up, it was like very clear. My mom was in the U S there was like okay. no hiding it. And I, again, I had traveled to see my mom. So like, I knew my mom was in the U S and like, I had some cognitive memory that I was in the U.S. at some point, like just traveling and visiting. Um, but I, I think when I was eight, like, I think it clicked. It was like such a big, and everyone else, I think, made it a big deal because I think they knew I was going to like be here and not return. This was in like a travel for fun trip. Like, right. I think this was like, a, we've, we've settled our travel for fun trips. And now it's time to like set roots in the U.S. And I didn't really understand that as a kid, of course, like who understands that when you're eight. Um, so I think I knew, I was like, I know this trip is different. Um, so I think that's when like my brain was clicking a little bit easier and I was like, I remember more things easier, mm -hmm. um, because of that. Yeah. I guess I'm curious if you did anything different, like knowing that it, um, it was kind of like your last, sort of like your last trip back to the U.S. Like you're leaving for, I, I asked because I know that, um, when I came, but the last time, I guess it seemed like a game. It seemed like, this is not real. I'll be back. Like, chances are like, you know, like, no me van a dejar pasar el aeropuerto. Like, right? Like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. but something's going to be wrong with my, you know, my papers, visa, whatever. I'm just going to come back. Like, it doesn't matter. But I ended up like going through. So, so, so I never said officially goodbye. You know, I, I was telling people, I'll be back. I was like, I'll be back. Like, this is and, just a game. So, and, and that's how I felt too. I, so my, one of my little cousins was having a birthday. So I had two cousins that were born like within a month apart. One of them had a birthday. I was there for his birthday party. And then the other one was having the birthday right next to him, like, you know, within the month. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to miss his birthday. Just like save me some cake. Like, buena tortita and the thing, I will be back. <laughs> Just, like, save me a cake. Like, don't not <laughs> That's hilarious. Save me the cake. Yeah. And so my hand's like, okay. And, like, of course, I went with it. Everyone went with it. I was like, cool. Um, not knowing I was not going to return. That's <laughs> so, hilarious. Like, I knew. I knew. But I didn't. Like you said, it wasn't, like, I wasn't saying goodbye to people. Although there were, like, there were little, like, my one of my other aunts was like, okay, let's measure, because I was also young, so she's like, okay, let's measure you, let's see how tall you are now, and then when you return, like, we'll see how tall you are then, and I was like, oh, okay, like, it'll be, like, three months, and then I'll come back, and then I'll be taller, and what, like, you know, whatever, yeah, um, so, like, I knew I was coming back, I just didn't realize it was going to be, like, 10 years later. <laughs> wow, yeah, yeah, it took me a long time to go back as well, so coming here then, you see your mom and you start living with her after seven years. What was that like? Um, 
you know, as a little kid, I was like having the best time, again, best time of my life. Like my childhood, like in terms of what I remember, it was wonderful. Um, both in Peru and in the U.S., you know, we would go to, my mom just like was so eager to show me all the things about the U.S. So like, and of course we like grew up in the D.C. area, so there's like free things galore. Um, so we would go to the museums and like, of course, like public pools, which, you know, in Peru, like only rich people have access right. to any sort of pools, even if they're public. Right. Um, so I was like, pool, this is awesome. Library, there's like a library and we can get books and we can take them home and we can take DVD, like the, or VHS at the time. We right. can take VHS home. So like I had a great time. My mom was like all about showing me all the things. And so I was like really soaking it in. Um, my mom did enroll me in school. So I came in May of um, 1998. So my mom enrolled me in school. And of course, like school's almost over in May. <laughs> Um, but at least it was a little bit of a taste of what school could be like if I was interested in continuing, which like in my head, it was like, oh, I get the decision to decide whether I want to stay in school or not. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, so it was re I really liked it. Um, it was less of like, I wasn't shy about like who my mom was or like once I realized it was my mom, I was like, oh, whatever, we're here. Um, so it, it wasn't difficult to just fall right into that. And my mom felt like a mom you know, just like anyone else's parents do. Um, so it didn't, that there was no, there was nothing weird or different there, but I do remember just having a really good time in terms of like all the things that I never got to do in Peru. And the fact that they were all free was blowing my mind. Yeah. I love that um, you shared about the library and the pool. Cause those are luxuries that even if you're middle class in Peru, you just don't have access to. Um, I remember also being fascinated with the library because I was like, wait, they trust me to take this book home? <laughs> I know, I was like, but they, I was like, how do they know that I'm not going to steal this book? <laughs> like, and that's the mindset, right? Like right. the mindset we have, you're like, how do you know they're not going to, I'm not going to steal the book? My mom's like, you know, there's a library card that's attached to your name. There's a date, you return it. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Right. <laughs> Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I, um, and, it, and it's that like trust mentality too. So I remember my mom got me a kiddie pool in the summertime, got me a kiddie pool. And I was so excited to play in the kiddie pool all day. And then at nighttime, we also like where we lived at the time or we were, where we were renting at the time, um, was still like a little bit of a nicer neighborhood. Um, and so I remember at the end of the night, my mom, you know, we finished with the kiddie pool, we had to like let it out to dry. And my mom left it outside to dry and like hung it. And I was like, uh, you can't leave it outside because if you leave a kiddie pool outside, it's going to get stolen. Like we all know, I, like I knew that at eight years old. Um, and the next morning I remember waking up and the first thing I did was go outside and check if the kiddie pool was still there hanging. And I was like, oh, hmm. Like no one took it. Why wouldn't anyone right. take my kiddie pool? Right. It's such a, it's, it, it's so true because like, I mean, in Peru, you just grow up really young, knowing you just like gotta take care of things. You can't trust people. You can't leave. You can't leave your bike out. It's gonna be gone, nope. right? Nope. Like my uncle always used to say, like, si lo dejas afuera, su dueño se lo lleva. Like, <laughs> yeah. I mean, cars. The fact that you, the fact that we leave cars outside here was mind-boggling. Yeah, and also another thing that surprised me, similar to like the whole trust of society, was the houses had glass window, like huge has glass window. And I was like, I you know, somebody could break that. <laughs> Cause like single houses, right? They have big windows. It's not like in Peru, donde, 
like you have like you have uh, bars you have bars and you have bars right like your windows are not exposed to the outside or the, if they no. do they have bars and so it's like this trust of society that I don't I think I think I got as I came as a kid as well maybe you like just kind of switch quickly enough to oh, um, yeah. be trusting because I think our parents because they came older as more as adults that trust maybe took them a little longer so so I didn't realize I did this and I didn't realize where it came from as an adult until I had a roommate for the first time, not in college. Like once I left college, I had like, you know, it was, I moved to DC and um, I had a roommate. She was a, she was a great friend of mine. We had known each other for a very long time. Um, and I would, I, when we would, when we, when we wanted, when I wanted like room temp water, I would boil my water I would put it in a jarra and then I would let it cool and then I would drink my water and I would do this all the time. And then at one point she, I was like, oh, it's like, we don't have any water. So like, I want water right now, which means like, I can't get it because I have to boil it, which then I have to cool it. And she's like, just drink tap water. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, like, no. Did you just say that to me? Did you just say that to me? You want me to drink tap water? You're like, like I don't, I don't want don't parasites. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, excuse me, number one rule in life, you don't drink tap water. But then like, that's when I realized, I'm like, oh, yeah, the District of Columbia makes sure that the water's clean. So yeah, but it was so difficult for me to one, drink tap, like, like difficult for me to drink tap water. And then two, like get out of the habit of boiling my water every single time, because it was just ingrained in me. My, like my family didn't improve. And then my mom did it in the U.S., and so like that just carried me through and I didn't really understand why I was doing it and my lack of trust until she pointed it out and then it like completely crumbled and I'm like oh my god what have I been doing this whole time that's hilarious yeah that's so funny but it's true like um you just don't drink the, the tap water it's just not something you do you don't so. drink things outside you don't drink the tap water <laughs> um all right so like you came at the age of eight, I think old enough to like understand that you didn't know English and that you have to learn this. So I guess I'm curious about what approach you took or your, um, that, yeah, what approach you took to learn English and if you were in a position to translate for your mom, like many immigrant kids are in that position and that could create a little bit of resentment, but I also know that's not everybody's story, so. Yeah, my mom knew English and knew it well. So when she was here, she actually, when I came in May of 2018, she, I actually came for her graduation for her master's degree. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, and she had to pay that out of pocket, which, Ugh. yeah. I, I, was, I, was, I asked her recently, I was like, wait, how did you do that? Like, Your mom sounds good. pretty badass. <laughs> yeah, she was focused. She was focused. I'm like, all right, you used your eight years pretty well. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so she knew English well. Um, which was extremely helpful. So when I remember I told you I enrolled in school through that like what small period of time. Um, and, and obviously I continued to enroll in school, but that was like my first taste of school. Um, I knew I didn't know English, um, but my mom was never like, oh, that's an issue. She's like, school will take care of it. Like you'll learn in school and there's ESOL classes, which, you know, they'll take you out of the, the regular class to make sure that you're learning what you need to learn. So like she always taught it to me as a it's okay. We will learn it. You'll like the school will help you learn it. And like, it's part of the process. So I was like, Oh, okay. So I like, I never felt, you know, different about having not learning English. And I also went to a very, um, diverse, uh, diverse, uh, 
element, well, I guess county, but elementary school where I wasn't the only bilingual person there. There were tons of like of bilingual people. And in my ESOL classes, there were so many other people from different, from different backgrounds and different languages that also didn't speak English. So I felt very at home with like international students, knowing that I wasn't the only one. And it was, this was just like part of the process. Um, and so then my mom would help me when I would get home and make sure that like I, I understood everything. And if I had any questions about some of the things or words that they were saying um, or my home, you know, like little kid homework, um, that she would help me through that. And then my mom, again, like the library, would put all the videos in English. Everything was in subtitles, English, subtitled. My mom would speak, only speak to me in English, which like became an issue later because I almost lost Spanish because of it. Um, but my mom was very adamant about making sure I spoke English. And I think her goal, I don't know if she she said it officially, but I think her goal is so that I never had an accent. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, she was very intentional with her approach oh, yeah. to teaching you English. Um, so with subtitles, I have a random question. Yeah. Which, like, by the way, I still listen to them now. Yes. <laughs> I wonder Everyone about hates me. Everyone hates me. Um, so I'm dating, uh, well, I'm engaged now, but like yes. when I was dating my fiance, um, I would always be like, can we put the subtitles on? And, you know, of course he's like, you know, I mean, he was always very, you know, great for it. Now he just knows that if we're going to watch a movie, you just have to put subtitles in. Um, and it, it's comforting to me because it reminds me of watching movies with my family. Um, and even like now I still do it with my family, my whole family does it, but I am curious, like if other immigrants feel like. Oh, yeah, yeah. subtitles are a thing. <laughs> They're totally a thing. My partner's also like, we have to put them on. Like, yeah, it's like, it'll, it'll make the difference between me getting the joke and me completely missing the joke. Like, I just, I, I won't, I won't get it. And that's the other thing I, I didn't realize I did. I take things very literally. So like, it's hard for me to get jokes because I'm like, wait, what happened? And everyone's like, it's a joke. I'm like, uh. <laughs> but you just said someone got hurt. <laughs> That doesn't sound funny to me. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm glad you also have an appreciation for subtitles because, and I oh, wonder, right. I'm probably going to pull this to the audience and be like, all right, everybody, <laughs> how many of you watch movies with subtitles? Maybe it's I'm just, wrong. <laughs> it's a holistic experience. I agree. All right. So you mentioned that your mom was very intentional with like the way you spoke English. I, I guess my follow-up question to that is um, how did she try to keep or not like your Peruvian heritage here? What, what was that balance like? Um, and yeah, I'm really curious because um, I had different, just there are different approaches and I don't think there's a right or wrong, it's just what it is. And then, you know, we, we deal with whatever later on. So yeah, share, share with us um, your mom's approach, I guess. Yeah, I think the overview is she wanted me to become or understand as much of American culture as possible. Um, and then towards the end of like post, once I like, you know, knew English and understood all the American things. And I think post that we started kind of going back into the Peruvian things. Although there were things in there, like my birth that we would always go to a Peruvian restaurant. Or we would like wish we could have picarones, but my mom wouldn't really like cook all those things at home. Like every now and then she'll like make, um, what's um, she'll make like a few things that here and there she'll make. Which also as a parent, I'm realizing she just like made food because like she was tired and had a, had a job and then had to deal with me all the rest of the time. Um, but I have a very clear memory of that first year um, during Christmas. Uh, it was like also like perfect Christmas because it snowed. 
the night before. Yeah. Which I was like, oh my God, wow. it, happens, it happens like this every year here. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. I don't think I've seen that in a while. <laughs> well, yeah. So it's been a bit and thanks to global warming, it's been a bit, um, unfortunately, but I remember my first Christmas and it was, you know, the night before, like we all, you know, it's a big celebration like before in Peru. And so I'm like, okay, like, what's the plan? And my mom's like, we're going to sleep. I'm like, why? Oh, no. I have a lot of questions. I was like, why are we going to sleep? And she's like, well, in America, we celebrate Christmas, the day of Christmas. And I'm like, yeah, that's why we wait till midnight. And she's like, <laughs> well, in the U.S., like, you you wake up, and then you celebrate the next morning. I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. The baby <laughs> is going to be born, and we're going to miss it. Like, the whole point of Christmas is ruined. Like, I don't understand. Like, why are we going to miss the birth of baby Jesus? That's what we've been waiting for all year. It's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, she was just like, okay. And so, anyway, she made me go to sleep, and then the next morning, of course, like, per again, perfect white Christmas, and like, all the presents laid out. And again, in Peru, when we have presents, they're clearly labeled who gave them to you. Also, we don't have like an abundance of presents either, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and so my mom had gotten some of like her friends, like people I had known throughout that one year um, that like would like, you know, they were happy that I was here. So they would like give me a present or two. Um, and then there were things that like said Santa. And of course, again, in Peru, there's no, like we all know Santa isn't real from a very young age. <laughs> but my mom was really into, my mom was like really into this. So some of the presents said from Santa and I'm like but eight-year-olds I'm like come on now like, <laughs> you're like no <laughs> I don't think this works on me I was like not only did we just miss the birth of baby Jesus you're trying to tell me Santa's real like this is not working out so I was like okay you know like who's this gift from I'd like to thank them and my mom's like it's Santa I'm like no it's not like it's really not you bought it mom <laughs> yeah until this day I'm like who gave me that puzzle and I'm like Santa <laughs> that's so funny yeah. that's hilarious uh, so she, she tried very hard into getting me into, accustomed into the culture um of of the u.s or you know this the cultures of the u.s um oh. but as as we went through we would still try to go to Peruvian restaurants like the one thing we didn't do was go to la procesión which we we kind of started doing my grandma my grandma's then moved back and kind of goes back and forth and we started doing that because my grandma's much more religious i think than we are yeah yeah i think i went to la procesión de los, del Señor de los Milagros, ¿verdad? Mm -hmm. um, maybe like once. The like, one in D.C.? Sense. The one in D.C., yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think I went once. But um, so I want to touch on a couple things. You mentioned one that you would still go to Peruvian restaurants. I, I came in the mid-90s and um, I'm also from the D.C. area. Um, and so I remember there was like one or two Peruvian restaurants and then oh, like yeah. it expanded and now it's like everywhere. So initially it felt to me like, oh my gosh, our, our secret's out, like our secret treasure's out. Like now- Like you know that food? <laughs> Wait, how do you know Pavalonquina? <laughs> so I don't know if you, ever, if you also felt that or, I mean, I'm also, I'm very happy that it's more popular and we're sharing it with the world now but at the beginning I was like wait this is my secret treasure and now I'm sharing it with all these people so I don't know if you felt that maybe I'm just being <laughs> I was just like can we get this right like I just need some good picarones like why can't anyone make this right but of course like none of the ingredients are the same so yeah. it's hard yeah, yeah that's true uh, and the other thing about um just uh making Christmas such a, um, like, you know, like giving you that Christmas morning uh, experience. I think that's, that's, that's funny. I mean, that the story to me is like hilarious, but I do have to ask And now, do you, what, how do you celebrate Christmas now if you do? 
no, I'm celebrating it the night, like the night before. I after I got over that very quickly as an adult. I'm like, I appreciate it. I thought that was helpful and a good way to get to understand U.S. culture. But I'm like, Santa's not real, and the baby Jesus was born the night before, so we're gonna go back to that. That's so funny. Yeah, I mean, like um, for the Peruvian Americans who haven't lived in Peru, maybe I guess I am also curious if they, um, you know, how their family celebrate Christmas because, like, as kids whether you're like six or 10 or 15, you stay up, you stay up with the parents. And <laughs> oh yeah, you're like, you're almost like socially forced to stay up because everyone's staying up and you can't be the one person that falls asleep. So you, you know, no one tells you you have to stay up. But you I mean, know you have sometimes to stay they up. wake you up. They're like waking you up around 1130. They're like, all right, wake up. Baby Jesus is being born in 30 minutes. <laughs> that's what I'm saying I'm not crazy with this baby Jesus I was so disappointed I was like where is the baby Jesus and we're missing it I was so mad I was so do mad. you have a nativity set do you we have like 10 of them we have like a little one <laughs> the one in the little egg thing we have the one with like the bigger one we have all we like you set up all the nativity scenes right that's so, that's so funny I have a nativity scene as well my fiance actually gifted to me one of the person I was like yep you're the one <laughs> Well, then you gotta, you have to like your family, your, the head of the family, usually like a grandmother would be the one putting, you know, the baby Jesus into the little, um, I don't know what it's called in English, but you know, into the little like basket, maybe. Yeah. Basket. Yeah. Or yeah. sometimes the baby Jesus are already in a basket, but you know, or like they'll cover him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> That's true. They'll cover him. Yeah. Um, so I guess like kind of going back to like your mom's intention and like how to integrate you into the culture, like what do you see as some of the benefits, disadvantages, like some perhaps like how did that help you define yourself now? Yeah, I think some of those cultural, I guess, like welcomings um, was helpful for me to understand what people do during the holidays. Um, it's giving me perspective. So now like if someone really wants to celebrate the next day, I'm not going to cry about it. Like I, I get it and I'm a little bit more sympathetic about it. Um, but I don't, I don't know if it's, I guess I just kind of toggle back and forth and shifted. Something that's like a, a one, the one holiday that's a little weird for me is Thanksgiving because that's the one holiday we definitely don't celebrate in Peru. Um, so I've, there's been a year or two where I'm like, I appreciate Thanksgiving, but I just like need a break. I just don't, I don't want to do like the whole Thanksgiving. I like, I do want to give thanks, but I don't want to do the whole Thanksgiving thing. Um, so I think it's given me an appreciation of, I understand what the holiday's like, I understand what it's for, and then there are years where I'll observe it, and then there are years where I won't. Um, by the way, I love Thanksgiving, I love eating, and, I love, <laughs> well, and it's a good, I think it's a good non-religious holiday together around, like, your chosen family as well. So I think that's one of my favorite things about Thanksgiving, but every now and then, depending on, sometimes you're in Peru, like, sometimes yeah. we're literally in Peru during Thanksgiving, so I'm like, oh. Yeah, we just skip Thanksgiving this year. <laughs> yeah, when thoughts with Thanksgiving, um, I mean, I remember eating turkey and Christmas in Peru. So like when I came here, I was like, wait, we get turkey twice a year? <laughs> yeah, that's what I, that's the other thing. It's very confusing because you're like, explain this holiday to me again. And what, and again, like, it's not a religious holiday. And we're so, like, Peru's so focused on religion. So you're like, it like, it doesn't compute as, as quickly as the other holidays. Yeah, it's true. Um, so with like you mentioned um, when we spoke offline, like offline, I guess um, that, you know, when your mom uh, sort of focused a lot on English, like you 
perhaps almost lost or like you became less comfortable speaking Spanish? Like, where are you with that now? Yeah, so it's, I realize it's not my predominant language anymore. Um, like, I can't write a paper in it. I speak like eighth, like, you know, eight-year-old Spanish. Um, I can get by just fine. I talk to my cousins just fine, but like, I can't, like, if I was on a podcast, I was like, proper like I can't speak to you in this entire I would be stumbling over this entire podcast if, if I was doing it in Spanish not knowing the questions right mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, yeah. so it's it's like there are words that I'll skip now and then just because I like my brain can't fill them in um so I, I yeah I just I, I lost it halfway through and I remember going back the first time after 10 years and wanting the words to come out and they just wouldn't come out and that's when I realized I I I had lost a good chunk of it it was weird. It was like, a, it was a very odd experience. Wow. Like, I, I know I need to communicate with my cousins, but for some reason, nothing's coming out. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, uh, so at home you, you speak to your, or you would speak to your mom in, in English. Yeah. So that's the other weird thing. Like my mom will speak to me in English still. I mean, she'll speak to me in Spanish, but I think the habit of replying to her in English to learn English is still there. And it, like me cuesta right of that espanol because I'm like okay I have to like turn my brain on to Spanish um so it's 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 a little different now yeah Yeah. um so when you were here how did you stay in touch with family in Peru I know for me it was like super hard it was snail mail for me (laughs) yeah yeah I mean like it wasn't as easy like whatsapp didn't exist right No, we still had answering machines with like the little physical little tape that you had to put on the top of the answering machine. Yeah, we would do phone calls whenever we could and a lot of mail. Um, So yeah, that was, that was literally, and it it was like, you'd go a long time without talking to someone, but then when you did get to mail them, you would mail them like a picture or two of what you've been doing during the, since the last time you, you corresponded with them. Yeah. I, I know for me, that was like very very hard and I was like super close to cousins uncles aunts and then just coming here you almost like are forced to not look back as often and so those relationships just become um I want to say like they're still there and you love your family but they become uh less active level yeah yeah so okay and and you can't share your experiences because they don't understand right like they don't understand your experiences here and and you can't relate to them as as much um and so like i think for me that was like maybe i just need to learn how to live with i don't think i'm ever gonna like heal it because it's it's like you know it's sad like you're like oh i wish i could be as connected to my family here as i am or i'm sorry as connected to my family in peru as i am to my family here but it's just not always possible it's a mix of like survival survivor's guilt um but then even when you think about that you're like well are we surviving and then do we think we're better because we survived like do you know it's like the mixture of like we got out of a situation where we now you know do different things right but it's not that the situation that everyone else is in is bad at all like you know but like for us at the time this was a decision that our parents made for us Mm -hmm. with us um but it's that weird it's a weird mix of 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 trying to relate um my actually my cousin so my dad's brother and his wife and their two kids 
ended up also migrating out of Peru. They were the only other family out of my family that migrated out of Peru and they moved to Spain. They also had a very similar um, journey and difficult journey to get to Spain. And I also hadn't seen them in 16 years. And so when I, and we had actually, the younger, the older cousin and I had gone to school together in Peru and both of our moms had left us, like left us. <laughs> both of our moms, <laughs> yeah. Both of our moms had left. I got it. To, yeah. <laughs> Both of my moms had left to like start roots wherever we were going to land. And um, it was crazy because once we like reconnected, we were like, oh, we were what we were both missing because like you get it because Spain is also an advanced country. Like we like weird things like we both have iPhones. Like we don't think it's a big deal because someone else has a better iPhone than we do. But when we go to Peru, like someone doesn't have an iPhone. So it's like a whole different experience. Um, so it was it was the only family connection that I had with someone else where they got it without having to explain it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree. When you go to Peru now, um, how comfortable do you feel? And what are some of the things that perhaps make you feel uncomfortable now? So it's definitely the language. Every time I'll get in a cab, like I'll, you know, I'll try to like haggle my way into a cab and then I'll get in the cab and sometimes I'll like do small talk and they're like, you're not from here. I'm like, oh. I am, I'm from here. It's just that my like Spanish is not Peruvian Spanish anymore. It's like mm-hmm. the watered down version of it. I don't have a, I don't have a Peruvian accent. So, like you can't tell that my Spanish is from Peru. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the one thing that it's just, it's a little frustrating and it kind of hurts. Um, but that's the, I think that those are the only times where I feel out of place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that's true. Um, when I take a cab in Peru with my cousins, they're like, do that talk. Yeah. <laughs> You're not, you don't say anything. Just, just you look the part. Just stay looking the part. Yeah, <laughs> they, they tell right. me don't do not talk because they'll charge us more. Or they mm-hmm. can. I mean, yeah, they'll charge us more. Mm-hmm. All right, Anna. Um, and so I'm just gonna jump into like uh, transition into the rapid fire questions, and then I'll give you the um, chance to sort of send a message to Peruvians in Peru if you want to do it in Spanish. You're welcome, or Peruvians here in the U.S. Um, so I'll start with the rapid fire questions. Um, and plato preferido peruano? Ooh, definitely papelón caína. But yeah. ceviche comes in pretty close. Yeah, I know. Ceviche is like, if it's good, it's good and like every day. Oh. <laughs> el juguito, el juguito. That's what yeah. you like. Um, chicha morada o inca cola? Mm, chicha morada. Chicha morada, yeah. I feel like our generation's like not into uh, you know, sodas and things anymore. <laughs> Did you go to did you go to the little kid parties where you like, you know how they had a payaso and then you have to yell, Señora queremos teacha, 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 teacha. So we yeah. have to. um I got pisco sour. Ooh, pisco sour. Pisco sour. Mm-hmm. You know, I have yet to find somebody who picks algarrobina. I I actually really? prefer algarrobina. Yeah. I well the thing is I'm lactose intolerant, so like it doesn't really work for me anymore. Okay. <laughs> All right. Mazamorra uh, morada o arroz con leche? Mazamorra mm, morada. Mm-hmm. But I, the best is the combo. Yes. <laughs> I, you know, I don't, um, I know if we have the combo, I don't have memories of me eating a combo. And I was wondering, mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, I, I don't have memories. And I'm like, could we afford a combo? <laughs> <laughs> no, because I would I would always try to like scoop one side perfectly out before starting on the other side perfect because they, uh, they would touch. Yeah, that's true. Um, bueno o festejo? Oh, festejo! I was good at it. Yeah, nice. Mm-hmm. 
um, like what about an artist, a Peruvian artist or musician that you? Um, well, you, you, we got to go with Eva Young. Like that's just, you know, like, come on. She's like the one. <laughs> that is true. She's represented us really well. Um, tu lugar favorito en Peru? Mm, mm, that's kind of hard. I guess like, I guess the house I grew up in. Um, so I grew up with my, 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 my dad and you know how everyone like lives together. Just, it's, it's like a good, it has so many good memories. So. Nice. Um, oh, um, uh, what's the, um, uh, it's like Pede Patria, el ejemplo. Contigo Peru? Contigo Peru. <laughs> We're like R del Rifle. And then I like I didn't realize that until I came here. I'm like R del Rifle. <laughs> yeah, I was like, can someone explain this? My mom's like, just go with it. <laughs> like, I need an explanation. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, the R del Rifle was a little threw me off. Okay. Um, so what message do you have for Peruvians in Peru? And then what message do you have for Peruvians in the US? Um, okay, message for Peruvians in Peru. Um I guess. Um to persevere through all the crazy things, especially now, actually, I mean, the last, what, year and a half, two years, um, through the politics of Peru, it's been a little wild. Um, so, and I feel like we're experiencing that now on the U.S. side. Um, so continue to persevere, and Peru's so, um, so resilient, so, and its people are too, obviously, like we are. Um, so I guess that's my message to um, continuar adelante, like even through the tough times. Uh, and then message for people in the U.S. Um, I guess kind of, kind of similar to what I think I would want to do is just to continue to like um, keep our culture alive, keep you know the exciting parts of being Peruvian alive. Continue to um, uplift other Peruvians. I think some of my best moments as a small business owner has been because of other Peruvians who have helped lifted me up. Um, so um, continue to lift each other up, and together we can do that. I love that message. Uh, I love it. Yes, as Peruvians, I think we need to continue to lift each other up is the only way we're going to, you know, all of, all of us rise up together. Mm -hmm. So Anna, thank you so much for joining me in today's conversation. I really appreciate your time. Um, and if our audience member, if our audience wants to keep up with you with all your beautiful photos, how can they keep up with you? Yeah, you can find me on my website at anaisabelphotography.com. Well, I guess people understand Anisabel because I have to say Ana Isabel. Um, anisabelphotography.com on Instagram as well as anisabelphotography. All right, and we'll definitely tag you, tag all those uh, social media links. <laughs> Thank you, and I, I really appreciate your time. All right, so Anna, we just closed our conversation, but Anna thought of a story. to do with how we, we were, were talking about um, learning English so my mother one of so one of the times again my mother knew English fully had gotten a master's degree so I would come home and I would ask her questions about certain words I heard in class and she would help me so one time I came home and I'm like they keep saying Anna and I don't know what Anna means and my mom is like that's your name in English I'm like <laughs> oh they're calling me like they're calling my name this whole time and she's like yeah so like respond when you hear that I'm like got it okay so literally from what was that like second third grade all the way through high school I went by Anna because 
that was my English name. And it wasn't until I went back to Peru 10 years later and I was with my cousin and I was introducing myself and I'm like, hola, me llamo. And I was like, oh my gosh, my name is Ana. Me llamo Ana, (laughs) I'm not called Ana. And so everyone that knows me like pre-high school or high school and before knows me as Ana and everyone that knows me after high school, like college, um, knows me as Ana because I had that revelation that my name is actually Ana and Ana was my English name that was given to me. Thank you for listening to Peruvians of USA. If you like the show, be sure to subscribe and review an Apple podcast. It lets other Peruvians find the show. If you want to hear more from me, you can follow me on Instagram at Peruvians of USA. I'm looking forward to connecting with you there. All right. Talk to you soon. Ciao.